Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. All right, welcome to Quick Show. In this episode, we're going to talk about the temple and identitarianism. Uh, before we get into this, I want to remind you to sign up for Quick Week, which is our weekly newsletter. I have been down for the count a little bit this last month, so that has not gone out the way I have wanted it to, but make sure you're on the list. You can go to quickmedia.com, and on the front page there, just sign up for Quick Week, the weekly newsletter. It is free. And we go over everything from the scripture study, uh, quick interpreters that I, I do, as well as culture and politics on there. I write an article each time for uh, as well that you do not get on the regular podcast. So quickmedia.com, cwicmedia.com, sign up for that quick week newsletter if you haven't already done that. Okay, this is a subject that is a little bit sensitive, and uh, but, but I really do have thought about this a long time. I've, I've, I've thought about doing this and, and I hold off and I finally decided that, to, that it needs to be talked about. And that has to do with, uh, you know, our, our temple uh, experience and how that works with the religion of academia, how that works with identitarianism. Uh, how does gender fluidity right, and sexual orientation, how, how does that affect the temple if we make changes? Uh, what happens if we remove or, or alter the proclamation on the family and the doctrine and practices of the temple? There are people that are on both sides of this. A majority are on one side and a minority are on the other. But the, the debate on this it eventually comes down to marriage. But it's not the only consequence. It's not the only change. There are many that are hoping for a change in the temple. They are hoping for, uh, whether it's, you know, some people call it marriage equality, um, which would be, you know, applied to the temple is, is, you know, much more of an eternal perspective, obviously, than what you would get in a civil marriage with uh, marriage equality. For me, I don't care about marriage equality civilly. I, I, I have zero, I, I don't care what people choose to do or what contracts they make one person with another with consenting adults. That That is completely up to them or what they want to do in their bedrooms or if you're consenting adults, I just don't care. I have no, no, no issues with that whatsoever. However, um, a lot of people may agree with me on that. A lot of people may not, but but they might have a different opinion when it comes to the temple. So there are those in the church, members of the church, that are hoping for, I mean, really putting a lot of emphasis in hope for a change in temple ordinances and how we run things there. 
there are others who have a hope that we never do that. And then maybe there are a very small amount of individuals uh, in the church that don't care one way or the other. And so what I want to do is stand back as I approach this and, um, and approach it from one of the, that, that very small area here. Whether, In other words, I'm not inserting my opinions here. I just want to talk factually about consequences that nobody ever talks about. And, and if we were to change this, it's like, look, if that's what you want, that's what you want. I, I'm not going to worry about what you want. Uh, one way or the other, on either end of the spectrum on this. But I, I, I want to talk about the changes and what consequences would, would certainly have to be put into place if there were changes with gender, and gender fluidity was applied to the temple, and with uh, eternal marriage, right, and the family proclamation. So on one side, there is, as has been described to me by by some, even on this podcast, that, that in the church there are certain doctrines and that we can go and, and move inward to the very, very core doctrines of the church. So Jesus Christ is our Savior. That's being challenged in some ways. Um, but Jesus Christ is our Savior. We go through the, the principles of the gospel of faith and repentance on the atonement and on Jesus Christ. Uh, the plan of salvation, uh, to a certain degree at least, and um, you know, priesthood and prophetic power and, and these different things that all might might find we might find or agree to a certain degree at least that are in the very center circle, and these concentric circles then move outward until maybe you get to policies and procedures or something nebulous between doctrine and policy. Uh, and many have said that these, you know, for example, um, marriage equality, right? So same-sex marriage, and we can go beyond that to it really is always about the same-sex marriage, but we could, we could go on to uh, gender fluidity, right, in marriage as well and talk about that. And, and, and that these, these doctrines are not in the center circle, that they are doctrines in a sense that are concentric and they're they are outlying circles from the core and therefore they can change that's that's kind of the argument that that is made on that uh on the other end of that spectrum a lot of people have a much larger inward circle on this as far as what doctrine is and what is unchangeable right and the concentric things are maybe more along the lines of very few policies and procedures and and uh, and and small doctrines that are applied to a specific amount of time or a specific time and place so that is those are the two sides you know very generally speaking of of looking at conserving what is in place at the temple and what and 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 those that wish to make the changes that are in the temple now before I go into those things, I, I want to address the LGBTQ members of the church that might listen. Um, and, you know, anybody who has listened to this podcast knows that I am very supportive of those individuals. Uh, I'm a big fan of certain organizations that support members of the church, faithful members of the church in their striving to, uh, as anybody else would be, you know, moving along the covenant path. 
and understanding the challenges and obstacles that would face someone with uh, um, that experiences same-sex attraction or identifies as gay or any of the LGBTQ different identities. Um, understand that, right? And, 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 and I think that there is a certain tolerance there that is certainly needed and certainly an outpouring of love that, that is given there. Now, having said that, I do think that I, I worry a little bit about the hope that many, what we might call allies or others, are, are almost pushing to our fine LGBTQ brothers and sisters in the church about a change in the temple and a change about marriage. Again, I'm trying to take this from as an objective view as possible. Uh, the problem I see there is that if your hope for the future Right? We've got, you, you think of the three very godly attributes of faith, hope, and charity. If we place that hope in change of doctrine, regardless of where you have that on the concentric circles, does that take away from your testimony if that doesn't happen? Does it take away from, from hope in Christ? from where that hope really needs to be? That's my question, because I, I see a lot of this where it's, uh, you know, the, compassion is not, cannot function on its own and, and be a positive, uh, rarely be a positive attribute. Compassion must have truth and reason behind it. You have to have that with it or it's misplaced. And so uh, while some would hope for a change and, and others would support the hope for a change, I, I would just ask, is that the right way to go? Or do you focus on let's all follow Christ regardless and, and move forward with the covenants and the commandments of the gospel, of, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to, I want to approach this in a way that sometimes Hugh Nibley and, and, and other LDS scholars have done, where maybe we're going to talk about this every once in a while, insert in the idea of the Temple of Solomon uh, in certain places and, and the temple, the ancient Israelite temple drama that we've recently been talking about in Come Follow Me with Psalms. The book of Psalms, and uh, and address things a little bit in that from that perspective uh, as we go through this. But there are consequences to this change, and and do our here's a question for you: Do do our core doctrines reside in the temple? I how core are those? That the, the what we find in the temple, a lot of it is in the scriptures. The creation story, the Adam and Eve story, um, the bulk of the Psalms probably are from the ancient temple drama. Uh, we find the references to these things all over the New Testament in the last week of Jesus' life. How core is the doctrine of the temple? I, I think it's pretty core, right? That's there, There's an opinion, right? I think it's pretty core. Now, having said that, if we look in, at, at the, the Temple of Solomon, we look at the Adam and Eve story, and we think about the cosmological changes 
that would uh, need to occur, then, then, then there's something that maybe we can talk about more, about understanding the effect of making these changes and not just having compassion, which is crucial. It's crucial. Just sit on its own without truth and reason. We need to bring these things together. So identitarianism, as, as it affects our culture today, is, is you can see this pressure starting to move in on the temple. And what I mean by identitarianism is, is what I call the religion of academia. And, and it is about taking our identities, such as sexual orientation, race, uh, uh, ability or ableism, our economic status or other privileges and intersectionality type of identities, right, that are being, uh, they're usurping our primary identities as a child of God, which we get in the Adam and Eve story. And, and as, of course, uh, President Nelson has added in also a child of the covenant and a disciple of Christ. They're usurping these things. So obviously, if those other identities that President Nelson has covered are the primary identities that we should be focusing on, if we're going to make these changes through identitarianism and the religion of academia, they're going to have a large consequence, a large, uh, uh, they're going to manifest in certain ways within the temple practice and procedures. So as an example, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about in the culture about the bathrooms, right? And, and especially with children and, and uh, education, K to 12. And if you have a boy that's identifying as a girl and, and that, that uh, individual goes into a girl's locker room. Are we comfortable with that? Is that the right thing to do? Right? We've got compassion on one side and a lack of compassion then on the other. How do you balance that? Right? Um, well, what about in the experiences of the temple, for example? Right? What, what about being a male and being a female in the temple? How important is that identity uh, in the temple? Right, as far as where you sit, as far as um, how you're spoken to in the ancient Israelite drama, you would have the king and the queen, probably the queen also, that at the beginning, toward the beginning of this, you know, they're, they're going to be coronated. They're, it's a coronation ceremony. And, and they're going to be, in a way, um, given the, the, the title, if they live up to it, of being a king and a queen and a priest and perhaps a priestess. So how would that change in that drama? Right? How, how would those things change? Uh, what, about, what, what about imagining if you were Adam or Eve? What about the Adam and Eve story? How, how does that change things? Would that need to be removed? Is that all of a sudden toxic? Is that shaming? You can see where this may end up leading to. Does that story need to change in order to accommodate this change of marriage in the temple? Um, the uh, Going into temple marriage, obviously, and imagining that uh, you're sitting one, you know, one person on the on on one side of the altar, one person on the other side of the altar, and if you're looking at the mirrors for 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 production of perpetuity and and uh, the Abrahamic covenant, 
of sealing your family and everything else, how does that, how is that affected? How has that changed? That is something, something certainly now you can say, well, that's cultural. Okay, but the idea isn't cultural. Right? The, the understanding of what the Abrahamic covenant is, is not cultural. And so that is something that would need to change and, and would somehow need to be manifested differently within the temple. So everything you look at there, as your experience is going through the temple, is something that would need to change pretty drastically, right? The entire narrative from, from the beginning of what you do to the end of what you do. If gender fluidity, as we describe it today, and um, changes in eternal marriage are made, then those things will need to change. So if you're for it, and that's what you want as far as eternal marriage goes, just understand that those need to change. And, and if you're against it, then you would say, okay, well, well, we understand that if we change just marriage, that everything else is going to need to change here. The entire narrative, in fact, of the temple, the entire narrative of the temple would need to change. Now, what about proxy work? How would proxy work be done? How about uh, uh, proxy work for baptism or proxy work for confirmation? or proxy work for sealings, proxy work for marriage, eternal marriage. And how the, the, the references to the temple, drama and ordinances, whether we recognize them or not, are found everywhere in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures. And as we as a people become more and more aware of the temple drama in the scriptures, the ancient temple drama in the scriptures, we're, we're going to have more and more context to some of these scriptures and what they represent and what that narrative is. Do we change the scriptures? So there's a lot of consequences that would need to happen here. And we don't talk about that. It's just a matter of we think about that end game here. Of, is, if, would there be a change in marriage? If there's a change in marriage, what? That's what we need to ask. What else goes along with that? What other doctrines of the gospel, what other core doctrines would need to change? How would temple practice change if that were to, if that were to happen? Again, I'm trying to be as objective as possible on this. I'm not trying to insert an opinion or a sway in any way because I don't think that's the right approach in this episode. I simply want people to contemplate what that would mean. And, and if you want the change and you want to get rid of or alter the family proclamation, that's, that's completely up to you, right? But let's not pretend that there isn't a very large change in the narrative, in the plan of salvation, in the Abrahamic covenant in our temple practice and experience if we were to make that change. I hope you can respond to this. Give me some things that I'm missing here. Give me, give me, give me the pieces that I'm missing. Where, where do I, what is void in, in, in discussing this here? What, uh, what arguments might be brought on either side 
in, in supporting the change and how it would not affect the change, or if it does affect all of these changes, so what? This is why it's okay. I would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.